Well, yesterday I had the absolute privilege of being taken up in a helicopter. Anyone been in a helicopter? Yes. What a cool thing. It's quite freaky how a helicopter takes off, sort of like that. And uh, for my birthday, which is actually in a month, uh, Danny, um, two weeks, it's a month. Um, Anyway, Danny surprised us early because we've got a lot on, there's a lot of things on. And uh, part of the deal with this, we needed to use this uh, voucher to go on the helicopter. So we tried to get on two weeks ago, we tried on last week, and then we've managed to get on with this beautiful weather. And um, Wellington is a beautiful city. On a still day, you cannot beat it. We just don't have enough of them. Um, but here's my, here's my theory. If we had enough of them, then everyone would want to live here. So God makes sure we have enough dodgy days so no one, uh, half of Auckland doesn't turn up on our doorstep and things are good. But as we were up in the helicopter, I got to see things that I didn't even know were in Wellington. I got to see sports fields that I didn't even know existed. I'm watching different games. In fact, I saw an American football pitch. I don't know where it is, but I thought, that's an American football pitch. So someone plays American football in New Zealand, which is cool. I didn't know that in Wellington. I saw things that I didn't know. I had sight of things by going up however high we were that I didn't have sight of when we were on the ground. And as I was just meditating on that and thinking about that, God reminded me, and I want to read something from the book that I've just written, or God wrote through me. And chapter 2 is all about the picture of our finish line determines how we run. So the picture of the finish line, what we can see, determines how we're going to run. Seeing where we are going. I want to start this chapter by asking us all this very important question. What is the picture of our finish line? We will run this race with with Christ according to the revealed picture of the finish line we carry. We say, when I say reveal picture, I mean the true conviction of what our heart sees and which our mind has been renewed to. True understanding and sight starts in the heart of man or the spirit and not the other way around. How was it that Abraham saw the day of Christ before Christ's day ever was? John 8:56. How was it possible for Isaiah to see the glory of Christ before Christ ever was? John 12:41. David spoke of the resurrection of Christ before Christ was ever resurrected. How is this possible? Acts 2:31. How was it possible for these men to see all these things before they even happened because they were seeing in the spirit. They had eyes to see in the spiritual dimension, and this is to be our reality as his people. We are to be able to see the finish line. Knowing the end from the beginning, Isaiah 46, 9, 10 says, I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning. If God declares the end from the beginning, then we need to receive a deeply rooted conviction of the end. Not just a head knowledge perspective of the end, but a spiritually revealed position where the mind has been renewed by the spirit so that this position is living and active. It is the power that comes from this living position that that births Christ's life in us and have us living for him and his purposes wholeheartedly. And I just want to read you the, the conclusion. This book, Bird's Eye View, has been a year in the making. It is my attempt to put down on paper what the Father has been revealing in me over the last five years. The things written in this book have come as I've walked these things out with God and allowed him to build his life in me. This book is about seeing from a higher view, God's view, and living our lives now from his perspective and lens. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. I remember going with Danielle to Dreamworld in Australia some time ago and going up the Tower of Terror. 
Anyone been on that? It's awesome. <laughs> we were taking 39 stories up into the air. We were to wait for a period of time before this machine would plummet us at 100 miles an hour to the ground, all in the name of fun. While waiting at 39 stories, enjoying our time up there, the view was incredible. The things we could see were breathtaking. We could look to our right and see the Gold Coast, and we were able to roughly work out where we were staying, while to look to our left brought in the view of Brisbane. Our ability to see things at this height enhanced our experience, and we were able to see things much more clearly. My hope is that from all those who read this book, it will speak to your spirit and confirm some of the things that the Holy Spirit has already been speaking to you about, which will enable you to see more clearly. We stayed at this height for at least a minute or two and got to have a good look around before the inevitable drop. I will always remember this as a breathtaking experience. God wants to literally take our breath away with the things he wants to show us about himself and the life he longs for us to come into and experience in him. He doesn't want this to be just for one or two minutes, but for an eternity. If you're new here and you haven't grabbed one of these, feel free to grab one um, and feel free to take them because they're all free. Jesus said, freely you've received, freely you shall give. And so feel free to grab one and I hope it speaks to you. Um, That was chapter two, picture of your finish line determines how you run. Um, Today he's changed things up again and so I was going to continue on this transformational family But uh, about Wednesday, he spoke to me and said, no, no, um, I want you to talk about why we gather. Why are you here? Why do we come? Religious tradition? Religious expectation? Nothing better to do on a Sunday morning? Or we gather... Because first and foremost, we come to give him glory. We come to be with him and one another. It's a massive question to ask. And when I say gather, I don't just mean on a Sunday. I mean, why do we gather during the week? Why do we hang out with brothers and sisters in Christ? Because it's to be continuous, isn't it? It's to be a continuous lifestyle of gathering with him and one another. And so I want to look at why do we do this? I'm going to give you why I do it, and I believe these are reasons why we are to do it, and there's probably more reasons than four, but I think these capture a massive part of how God would hope we would come together and with our eyes on him and the motivation of our heart. Because the reality is we can be physically here, but not here. Would you agree with me? You can be physically present, but not present at all. So it's not just about being physically here. It's about physically here and then being presently here. It's about being tuned in to what the Spirit wants to do. You know, you read this in Scripture where Jesus is, and the woman is at his feet, and she's pouring out perfume. There's, only, there's more than two people in the room, but there are only two people that are really present. So everyone's gathered, and they're in a room, and I don't know, the disciples are there, and there's a man named Simon who's a Pharisee, and Jesus, and, and uh, this woman, and she pours out, and the disciples think it's a complete waste of money. And Simon, well, he's up the chute because he thinks, you know, he's all judging everybody and doing all this. 
So there's about, let's say, about eight people in the room, but only two are present. Only two know what's going on in the room. And then Jesus says, what this woman is doing will be remembered in years to come. So it's not just about being here, guys. Anyone can turn up. It's about being here. So when we meet during the week, it's not just about going for a cup of tea and a cake and a bit of a chat with your mates. It's about being there. It's being intentional, purposeful. God is so intentional with everything he does. Everything is set up on a knife edge, isn't it? You turn something slightly one way, you turn creation one way or that way, we're spinning around at a trillion miles an hour and we're all lost. So the big question, and you got notes today because I don't know I'm going to stick to them. Why do we gather? All right, Hebrews 10, tell me Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Hebrews 10, 19. It says, a new and living way. What a cool way to start this passage. A new and living way. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. There's a statement and a half, isn't it? Do we have a confidence in Christ? To enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. A new way. God came to bring a new created order. A people full of him, living differently. And that brings confidence. Verse 21, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, thank you, Father. Listen to these words. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Do you know how right you are in Christ? Do you know how right we have been made? And then are we living knowing that we are the righteousness of Christ? It's incredible to know how right we are. That nothing holds us now. Why? Because of me? No. Because of my goodness? No. Because of my ability to figure out? No. Why? Because of what Jesus did and my acceptance by faith of what Jesus has done, which creates a confidence in me to live a confident life in Christ. Not in myself, in Christ. I love what um, Todd White says. He's, he calls it Godfident. <sighs> a Godfident life. Because we can get all twisted up, oh, we're not to be confident, that's arrogant. No, we're to be confident in Christ, confidently awaiting the return of our God, knowing that we have all lived a life worthy of the calling, knowing it, without any fear of, oh, uh, did I, or doubt. Why? Because of what it writes here, because of what Jesus did. He inaugurated 
another way. Let us draw near to Christ. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Funny how love is first, then good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing nearer. So in this passage, there are some people, although they've come into this new life, they've stopped gathering. Why? Maybe because they think they don't need the body anymore. I don't know. Maybe they don't understand why you would gather. Maybe they think they can do it on their own and we don't need anybody else. But the problem with that is God has created us to be one. You need me and I need you, whether you like it or not. It's just the way it is. You see, you didn't choose the Father and I didn't choose the Father. The Father chose us and said, right, now you've got to get along because you're all in my household. You're all my house that I'm building. So you don't really have a say. You've just got to get on with it. I say that to our kids sometimes. You don't have a say. Get on with it. They look at you like, that's mean. Well, I don't care. Get on with it. <laughs> and that's how God talks to us at times. Well, in fact, I think he should. I argue way too much with him at times. Just get on and do it, Greg. Come on, man. This time's ticking. And so there are these people here that although they may have been in this new life and they've got this thing, as it says here, it says they forsake coming, assembling together, as is the habit of some. I've noticed in the last probably five to seven years a pattern in the body, and as I talk to other leaders, they notice the same thing, that there are less people coming, gathering. So people that maybe were weekly or fortnightly, those that are fortnightly or weekly, those that are weekly, uh, fortnight, uh, probably monthly, and now maybe six weekly. It's a pattern that I've noticed. And it is yet to go back the other way, it's going that way. So it's going the wrong way. That's why I believe God wanted me to speak to us about this, because why? See, we can know the what, we can know the how, but if we don't know the why, we're lost. It's the why that makes everything make sense, and also the motivation. So, why? Why do we assemble And then what is the purpose behind why we come together as his people? Have we ever taken the time to ask ourselves these questions and then ask ourselves what our answers actually mean for our lives? The assembling together is a commitment that we all make to walk our faith out together and devoted to him. To him and to one another. You can't separate the two. The church wants to try because that's still self-living. But the design is him and one another. And it's so clear when you read his words, that is the pattern. You know, gives you pictures of fingers and ears and legs and to show you that, you know, trying to walk along like this is tricky. Trying to scratch your head Put your foot up, man. <laughs> it's tricky. 
See, when you take bits out of a body, it doesn't function, does it? You've seen Madeline limping around because she rolled her ankle. When the body is hurt, it doesn't function as it's supposed to. So it's never about you as an individual. It's about you, him, and his body. And I want you to think about that as to why you would gather. Because there's gifts on each and every one of us that God wants to use to minister to him and one another. That's why it's interconnected, interrelated. And it doesn't work when this individualism is in place. It only works when it's an interdependent culture being formed. And we realize that my life is not my own, it's yours. And the decisions that I make affect you. So if I make a decision to quit and walk out the door, it's going to affect everyone here. The purpose and plans that God had for me and us and you through that and vice versa affects everybody. My decisions are not just my own. That is something heavy but restful to know and to allow to shape the way you think and every decision you're about to make. Because so often we just think it's about us and it doesn't matter because it's about me. No, it is a ripple effect that goes through the body of Christ and the body of Christ is weakened because of that reality because we're not all stepping into his way. So let's look at the first why. So why do we gather together? The first thing, it's in your notes if you want to have a look at that. To declare to him through praise and thanksgiving, how great he is. So why do we come here Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, in cafes during the week? Whenever we gather as a people, what are we gathering for? To declare to him through praise and thanksgiving how great he is. My greatest day of my life was when I met Jesus Christ. When I met him, really met him. Not heard about him, but when I physically had an encounter with him. Without looking at the back wall, who can tell me one of the main pillars that is to be part of our services here? No, no. There are pillars, so why we gather. There are two E's and two I's. They've been sitting on that back wall for two and a half years. Intimacy is one. Yellow ducks can't hear. Are you looking at it? Impartation, good. Those are the two I's. Impartation, intimacy. What are the two E's? Engagement and empowerment. See, those things are to be pillars that shape why we gather. You see, to come and hear the first one is about empowerment. Sorry, engagement. To declare to him through praise and thanksgiving how great he is to engage with him and one another. When we come, do we come to engage? See, engagement isn't isn't firstly receiving, engage, I'm going to engage something. If I'm going to engage Andre in battle, and I wouldn't do that because he's a martial arts expert, <laughs> so I've got more wisdom than that, but I'm going to, I'm going to engage in something. I'm moving towards it. It's not, it's not passive, it's active. So when we come, do we come ready to move into something, or do we stay there and it's very passive? And then do we sort of react, or are we active? See, the Bible says, seek me. I've sought you, seek me. 
Call to me and I'll show you great and mighty things. That's active. That's engagement. So it's engaging with him through prayer, praise, thanksgiving, devotion. Thank you, Lord. He's so worthy to be praised, isn't he? See, we give of ourselves. We are the offering. If we could rewind the clock back, we are the sheep. We are the dove that is to be put on the altar. Romans 12, verse 1. What is your spiritual act of worship? It's us. We are it. So he was the sacrifice, but when we come before him, we offer himself us. Die to yourself as you're offering up you. And I said that a few weeks ago, but living sacrifices, living sacrifices, living sacrifices, they jump off because they don't want to die. We don't want to die. But he says, die to self through my power. And part of the way this happens is when you come and you just enter in. Forget about everyone around you. Forget about what you're going to look like. Forget about what they're going to think. Oh man, this guy can't sing. Who cares? It all sounds beautiful to him. The Bible says that Jesus intercedes anyway, doesn't he? So he probably grabs that off note, spins it around, and all God hears is this beautiful sea. Look at Costello, man. The guy can't sing, but look at that, man. He's given it all that. He's given it. He's given it. You never put him up there, but he's like, come on, he's into it. Why? Because Paul's got other gifts. He's a strong pastoral gift on his life. Hang around with five minutes and you'll feel it, know it. You'll feel love to death. It's beautiful and we enter in. So let's have a look at Psalm 100. This is a fantastic scripture. King David wrote it. Psalm 100 verse 1. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. When was the last time you shouted? We're a bit reserved. Oh, We've got to stay quite quiet. We don't shout here. That's flesh. When was the last time you shouted? Thank you, Jesus, man. I love that song. You're my hero. Oh, that's not very spiritual. He's my saviour. Find where it says hero in here. <laughs> He's my hero. He's my everything. When was the last time you shouted and thanked him from here? And you broke the shackles off you of bondage because that's not what Kiwis do. And you just let rip. Now, if you saw me driving my car, you'd think I was a nut job. The music's going so loud, I'm singing, hands are in the air, crying half the time. But I don't care. Who cares? I'm not trying to please man. I can't be a bond servant, Paul said, if you're trying to please man. You're never going to live the life if you're trying to please everybody. Live for him and then allow him to work. So he's saying, man, let's shout to the Lord. No wonder that song came out. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. 
Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. <laughs> Settle down, David. Getting a bit carried away. You want me to shout? You want me to serve with gladness? Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. I want to read you Psalm 63.3. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. Because your love and kindness is greater than life, my lips will praise you. I'm going to shout. I've broken shackles off of the hindrances of the flesh and what everybody thinks. And because I've been coming to a new way, inaugurated by the blood of Jesus, a life in the Spirit, I've moved from there to here. I've been propelled by the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel and the power of the gospel, which has taken me from my old life and put me into a new life. I've gone from a dead life into a resurrected life. And now I live from a resurrected life and I'm going to sing from this place. So when I gather with the saints, that's who turns up. And it doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter how hard life is. It doesn't matter whether the sprain the ankle on this week, got a sickness this week, got a runny nose this week, got a chest cold this week, got this or that or this. Why? Because the power of the God I know trumps all of that stuff. And so I enter in too with the body. Imagine if 500 people rocked up like that. Imagine if it was 50 What would it be like, guys? What would it look like? What would it feel like? Would his presence come? Because he said, you draw near to me, I'm going to draw near to you. Now he has already drawn near to us, so he's going to draw again. And God continues to come when he hears a heart of praise and thanksgiving. When he hears a heart that's in love. When he hears a heart that is crying out to him for his presence to draw near. Imagine that power drawing near. When Jesus said, you notice there was power in the room to heal, he stepped into it. He started laying hands on people and there were healing signs and wonders, life, salvations, people going from lost to found radically. Not I think I might, no, no, the power, boom. See who we're called to be? See, we do this when we watch sport. I watched 36,000 people get excited by the Hurricanes winning. Me too. Fantastic. 22 long years. We can now say the Hurricanes are, for this year, the top team. But we get excited about that. But this is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who's created life, who died, rose again, and we go, oh yeah, praise the Lord. See, there is a reality to enter into, isn't there? I'm not trying to embarrass you, I'm not trying to, but I'm trying to convince you and urge you, there is a realm in him. There is a reality to be realized in a relationship, not in rules, in him. And we gather like this, so we come together with this work being done here and outside. 
This is why it's a 24-7 relationship with Jesus, not just a one-day-a-week thing for an hour and a half. We try and cram everything into an hour and a half. It's never going to happen. Oh, they better make sure it's 30 minutes. Why? What about three hours? We have three days. What about gathering every day? Why? Because they're so in love. I love this woman. I want to spend time with her. So let's come like this. The thing is, you can't force it. But you can take a step of discipline. You can take a step of discipline and go, Father, I'm going to believe. I'm going to seek. I heard that crazy guy talking, and your word says this, so I'm going to seek because I want to change. I want to be different. I don't want to be the same, especially when you come to change me. So what's number two? Why do we gather together to receive living food? We gather, whether it's here, during the week, one-on-one, to receive living food. I love hanging out with Sam Willis. I love hanging out with a lot of people. But I love hanging out with Sam. I cherish the times with Sam and Simon because it's like, mate, we only have coffee and we leave and we've had a meal. Because the dialogue, the Christ in him, the Christ in Simon, the Christ in me, and activating, and it would be one question, I do more talking than them two, <laughs> and we've got to change that around. But what happens is the dialogue in an hour, and you feel full. Because you've received living manner, the Christ in him, the Christ in me, the Christ in Simon, the question that someone asks activates things. And all of a sudden, the spirit turns up, and he's like, bang, 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 bang. And you know that you've had a feed. For man does not live on bread, but man lives on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And God lives in me, God lives in Sam, and God lives in Simon. So when the three brothers get together and Jesus is there and he rocks up, it's party time. He says, I've been longing for this. And we don't want to leave. We've got our regular slot. At Mojo Cafe. So we gather to receive living mana. Can you see why it's so important that you're in this with one another? So yes, God speaks to us directly, doesn't he? And then he speaks to us through one another. As he forms himself in us, as we partake of him, as we eat his flesh and drink his blood, as we hear receive, accept a word that is heard, that is declared into the atmosphere, and it comes in and is implanted into us, transformation. James 1.21, let's go have a look. This is the second I, this is impartation. So the first E was what? Engagement. The second I, or the second pillar is an I, it's impartation. James 1, 21. James 1, 21 says this, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, everyone say humility. 
in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. So you receive the living manna, the living word that is declared either directly from the Father, via the Spirit of God, or through someone who's in a living word, the Holy Spirit attaches that, and because the soil is fertile, the heart is hungry, the heart is ready, the deposit goes in, and the seed, which has all the power in it, goes in and implanted, and the mind is renewed. Because the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotion, isn't it? So the word of God has been given to transform us. See, too often we've, we've just had to study it to learn it, to check out all the history and all the cool things. The Word of God primarily is food to change us. And when it is implanted into our spirit, that's what it does. Jesus said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life where? In you. He said to the Pharisees, you don't actually come into life because my Word has no place in you. He says, you can't take my joy away because my joy is formed in you. No one can take away the joy of the Lord. It's him. Happiness can come and go because that's a feeling. But the joy of the Lord is the substance of Jesus himself. If you can take Christ out of me, I'm in trouble. And the word of God, the words of God, because the words and the word are the same thing, aren't they? See, somehow we go, oh, written scripture, Jesus. Separate. Where did the written words come from? Someone else? From God, yes? So the words on the page are God, and Jesus is God. And the words come out of God. So you get more of that in you, what's going to happen? You're going to come in here praising. Yes? We're going to turn to a black church. Come on now. You'll be going, come on, Pastor Grant, preach it. I remember when I went to, well, digress a little bit, went to Long Beach, and I went to a black church with Anthony, Pastor Wayne Cheney. Who was here when Wayne Cheney came? Just a few people. Man, crazy guy. He, he, he was lying on the stage. He was up there. He was over there. He was up there. Slight exaggeration. But he was all over the place. And he brought 16 of his people with him. They were standing up. You preach it. You preach it, Pastor Wayne. Preach it. Preach it. Preach it. Woo, it's good. He's feeding off that and he's giving all that was amazing. And when I when I went there, man, we were the only white people. I felt at home. My mum's my mum's black. My mum's got my mum's father's my great dad's from uh, my great granddad's from Sierra Leone. So my mum has black in her. If you saw my cousins, you'd laugh, black Americans. So I'm, I'm feeling right at home with my brothers, sisters. And they're all dressed up to the nines. And Anthony's, uh, Anthony, I can't even speak now, probably. How do you speak Kiwi? Anthony is preaching. And it's really funny. He was talking about love because it was taking a service and preaching. And there was this black woman. She was quite a big lady. And he was talking about something about love. And it was about relationship. And she goes, Boom! And elbows her husband and he goes, Are you listening to this? Are you listening to this? And then she gets up and she goes, Come on, Pastor Anthony, you're in the kitchen now. Bring it home, honey. 
I'm like, come on, help me go. The impartation, the engagement was phenomenal. It wasn't just a talking head, it was going backwards and forwards to and fro. And this is what it is as we gather. I love to see ministry just happen. Not because you're, you know, it's like, not because, oh, can I, can I do this? There's wisdom and please hear me and, and in the license of risk, but you're free to minister here. When we come, it might not look like, oh, at the end of the service we have a ministry call and the, the things are playing. No, when you're talking through the service and someone comes and you see something on them, maybe it might be a prayer, maybe it's a word, maybe it's something of encouragement, but it's not defined inside a time frame of an hour and a half or when the music plays. That's not authentic. That's plastic. And so minister to one another. Because there's Christ in you. There's a gift on your life that God wants ministering to him and one another. We're called to be priests, aren't we? That's one of the points. But this is phenomenal. But see, you've got to receive this word with humility. That's the key. Not fleshly humility. Spiritual humility which is a work that God does through the receiving of the word. Because none of us are humble. None of us are humble when we start, are we? We think we are. We like to think we all are. We like to think we're good. I'm a good person. Can you hear that? Why do I need Jesus? Because you're a scumbag. (laughs) It's the greatest evangelical love strategy out there. You're a scumbag. But he loves you, but you're a scumbag. Isn't that cool? Find a love and you know you're a scumbag because everyone really knows they're a scumbag. We like to tell ourselves we're good. You see, this humility is birthed through the receiving of Jesus. The word. The living word. Such a contrast between receiving and learning. Receiving revelation and trying to learn and study words. Massive difference. It's like a genuine work of the Holy Spirit done in you and the accomplishments done by man. Massive. This is the Spirit. This is the flesh. And so we come to receive living manna, food. Come with me to Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. This is such a cool passage, man. I'd encourage you to read all of Deuteronomy, but Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 8, again, define what God's doing here powerfully. But we'll just look at Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. He, God, humbled you and let you be hungry. Why would God let you be hungry? Because what you're eating on is old. You thought about that? He'll let you starve because maybe what you're eating on is old. doesn't want you eating it anymore. It's time for change. It's time for fresh wine to be poured in because the old wine, sorry, the wineskin's old, can't pour the new wine in. So I've got to pull back and create a hunger in you, a dryness in you, that you now are awakened out of something. That now you would sort of move towards something and God's doing it. Really? Is that God? Yep. It's another side of him. Do you know that side? Do you know the side that God allows things to happen to draw you out because you would never be drawn out if he doesn't allow it? Isn't that love? Isn't that what we do, parents? 
with our children? Don't you allow them room to move? Don't you allow them but in the safety of the confinements of what you know? So they will learn and grow and come into things. But if you keep modelly calling your children, they grow up as brats, don't they? They don't, they're not independent, confident people. They're attached to you. It's called codependent relationships and it's quite sick. And both need each other. And all it is is sucking the life out of one another. Is this the God that we know? Because he's saying right here, let me read it again. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I love that. He humbled you and let you be hungry and then fed you with manna, which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, God doesn't leave you in that place. He does it to get you out of that place, and he's going to lead you out of that place, but he's got to stir you. Taste and see the Lord is, for he is the blessed man, woman. Call to me and I will show you great and mighty things you do not yet know. When was the last time you had a feed? Really? Of something that you've never tasted before? Think about that in the physical. What food haven't you yet eaten? Yell some food out. Crocodile. Crocodile. (laughs) Awesome. (sighs) Crocodile. Kangaroo. Guinea pig. Guinea pig. Who? Locusts. You need to come to Cambodia, bro. <laughs> Spiders. Steak. When did you get you some? <sighs> Porcupine. Dog. <laughs> Brussels sprouts. Who likes Brussels sprouts? When was the last time you tasted something that you've not eaten and went, man, that's amazing? I now have a new taste in my mouth, a new knowledge of a food type that I did not have. Like I said yesterday, I saw things high in that helicopter I didn't even know were in Wellington. I now know what a lot of the buildings look like from the top. They're quite cool. The design on some of the buildings are incredible in our city. I saw... We went around by the windmills, we went by um, Macra out there. You just see so much. I did not have a taste for that stuff before yesterday, now I do. Can you see how this correlates in the word? So when was the last time you ate of Christ that went whoom in, went whoom, now I'm singing, I'm praising, let me tell you about it. When was the last time you had a conversation with someone about testimony of what Jesus is doing in you because you've eaten of him? See, this is scary, guys. We are to be living this out continuously. Testimony isn't Greg 1997 met the Lord. Testimony is every day. The testimony that overcomes the enemy 
is the living work Jesus Christ is doing in you. So when the enemy comes, if you don't really have any testimonies, you get taken out. See, the testimony, which is the true work of Jesus Christ in the hearts and the minds of the church, which comes through the blood of the Lamb, is what enables you to fight and stand there and go ping, 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 ping. Why? Because a true work of the word is done. It's no longer trying to scramble for it in the moment. I've got to get me armor on. Crikey D, I'm in trouble. Where's me helmet? Anyone seen me helmet? Bang, 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 I'm gone. See, that's reactive. That's not proactive. That's not seeking God. That's, oh my goodness, I'm in the poo and I better start putting the gear on. You're dead. That's like going to fight this man without any training. It'd be like one punch all over. He'd probably laugh. He'd probably just do that. He'd go, Dunk. See, this is all in the spirit, though. We laugh and it's fun, but is this our reality? So when we gather, we gather to eat, to partake. And the food is exquisite. And there's no lack. And there's an abundance So where one person is eating of love, the other person is eating of the eternal purpose. Where one person is looking at identity, the other person is just looking at who God is. While one person is overcoming fear, the other person is holding them up and encouraging them. Because there's engagement again. Because we just don't come to be a stiff audience, do we? So number three, to minister and be ministered to. Why do we assemble? To minister and be ministered to. And this is all part of our identity. If we don't know who we've been called to be. So once again, priests, yes? Not priests that we would maybe think about with Catholic priests with dog collars and walk around with robes. Spiritual priesthood. People of the Spirit who minister to the Father first and one another. Let me read you 1 Peter 2. So come with me if you want and I'll quickly fly. 1 Peter 2. Allow the words, receive the words. Father, I pray the words of God that I'm about to read would go deep into our spirit and our mind. I pray, Father, you would renew these words right now through your power in us. And coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. Once again, that's our lives and our offerings of what he's doing. Being built up. Do you know you're being built up? Because pillars are going in of joy, peace, faithfulness, kindness. We're looking at this with our girls at the moment. We're doing the faith box. It's awesome. And we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And we're unpacking it. We're unpacking what it means, not just to quote it, but to live from it. To have a love in you that surpasses the intellect. 
goes beyond the brain and into the spirit realm and then the mind is renewed. So like with all the saints, you know what it means to comprehend this incredible love that caused you to dance and sing and come in praising. This is what he's talking about. Because you're being built up, no longer the same person. A spiritual house for a holy priesthood. Man, are you kidding? No. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief, a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, which is Christ. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. See, the simplicity of the gospel is powerful. The simplicity of it, but the depth is in the simplicity. If you believe in him, you will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe, but for those uh, sorry, this precious value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word and to this doom they were also appointed. Listen to this. But you, say me. If I'm in Jesus, me. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness Into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received it. Can you see what I talked about before? Testimonies. It's right here. Smack bang. You've been chosen as a royal priesthood for God's own position. position, So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you. What an honor. To know the excellencies of heaven. And to then to share them with people. We're all called to be visionaries. People who see and then speak. The living manna from heaven. The living word that changes people. Not a regurgitated version of humanity through that. The living preach. How will I hear if one is not sent who preaches truth? Not man's version of truth. But the truth. But see, if you don't know who you are, and if this isn't realized, if this is just nice words on a page that you hear on a Sunday and then go, life will just continue, doesn't it? But we don't gather for that. We gather to be fed. We gather to engage with God and to be changed. We gather to receive food so we can minister to God And one another. Can you see how all these points are interrelated? They're one point. They're all intertwined. So why do you come? See, if it's just to do religious ticks, then truly, guys, we may as well sell the building, pack up, and give the money to someone else. And I say that all in love, but we may as well. Hey, if we're not going to come for the purpose of the Bible, then why gather? Would you agree? No? Yeah? Maybe? Don't know? Yeah. We'll just continue with normal and everything will be the same. See, my heart is to... I love them to such a degree it hurts. And I know who we've been called to be. 
And I know who the church is called to be because he's shown it to me. And I'm, we, we want to lay our lives down. And I'm urging you to lay your life down and to come into something that you've been called to come into, chosen to come into. Don't let the honor of being chosen pass you by. Don't get to the end of your life and regret. Because why? Because you love this and love that and wanted this and wanted that. And you never knew because no one ever told you who you were called to be. Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you who you're called to be while you remain here. And I hope to call it out of you by faith and then sit back and rest because I know I can't do the work. He can. He is not a liar. He promises. And his promises come true. For you and I. And the last why is to be transformed, built up, and equipped. So why do we gather here Saturday night? Leadership gatherings, leadership breakfast, during the week in cafes, when we're just getting together. Why? To be transformed, built up, and equipped. Which is Intimacy or real knowledge. Because that's what intimacy is. It's not sitting there in the dark having a nice feel-good factor. Intimacy is the knowledge of God you carry and are carrying and is increasing in you. It's the true knowledge that sets you free. It's the true knowledge that births life. It's the true knowledge that shapes who you are in Christ. It's the true knowledge as that's growing more and more, it literally will change you. Being formed into the image of the one we worship. Romans 8, 28 to 29. I'll just read it out. I want to read these scriptures over you so you can hear them. And I'm going to go fast now. Because they are incredible, incredible declarations of promises and truth. Romans 8, 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for, for good to those who love God. All things, if you love him, may not look like good things. They are good things. There is purpose in everything that God allows to those who are called according to his purpose. It's a heavenly calling. It's an eternal purpose. Okay, We've, we've narrowed it down to just the earth. 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Colossians 3 verse 10. Colossians 3 verse 10. And have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. My goodness. Now, yes, we have Christ in us. Yes, the Spirit of God comes, but he wants to do a work with us. So it's literal, yeah? It's not just, oh, yeah, I've got Christ living in me, and my life is the same. It's Christ is in me, and I'm changing, and I'm receiving more. So literally, I'm able to walk in the way Christ walked. 1 John 2, 6. That I walk in love, the fulfillment of love God and love one another, the fulfillment of the law, I do because I'm Christ in me is being formed out of me. I know this is repeating what we've already said, but this is who we're called to be. So we actually now, it happens. It's not just out there and then it sits. It's got to happen. It's got to be 
happening in us. It's to change us, yeah? It's so actually there's a physical demonstration of love on the earth right here in this community. Amazing to minister the grace of God to another human being because God is in you. To minister love, unconditional love. Are we catching this? Jesus through you ministers the love he ministered to you. Love people like I love you, Greg, that you can minister. Agape is unbelievable. And I know it because I'm measuring it in it to a measure. To have a joy that's not of the planet that comes through you and is dimming. When people are looking at why aren't you freaking out? Because what's in me is greater than what's in the world. Who is in me is greater. Christ in me, the mystery, is the hope of glory I'm living in. And that the church is called to live from. Not toward now. Jesus said now is the time. One is coming. He's here. John 4, she said he's coming. No, he's arrived. He's standing right in front of you. We sing open heaven. It's open. We keep praying for things that already are. Because we're not seeking. Are we stirred? You're feeling hot. It's like this is a bit edgy. I hope so. That's what the word does. Now, Colossians 1. I'm going to shut up. Colossians 1, 24 to 29. I'm going to read this real fast. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. He rejoices in sufferings for someone else's sake. Can you see how Paul's ministering to the church? And in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. This man was incredible. Do you reckon it's possible to be persecuted for the person beside you? Are you prepared to do it? Are you prepared to suffer for the body? Are you prepared to suffer that others would have that you would go without? But you know what? You don't go without. It's the pathway to life. Now, you might go without certain things, but those things are dead anyway. Because what you get back trumps it tenfold. I would rather have a joy in me than have ten, a, a season ticket to watch Liverpool play every year. Now you might laugh at that, but that would be pretty cool for me. But I would rather have his joy in me than that. See, through persecution, life comes, but we run away from it. But Paul didn't because he was committed to his people. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit. So he's talking to the Colossians. He's been bestowed a gracing for the benefit of the Colossian church so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from, not the, sorry, from, hidden from the past ages and generations and has now been manifested to his saints. So there was a... Uh, a mystery, Christ in you, he's about to say, has been revealed. It wasn't, it now is. And he's been given the go-ahead to preach it. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now listen to this. We proclaim him, 
God, Jesus, admonishing every man and teaching every man, woman and child, with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works in me. That he is laying his life down to see the church be made complete and whole. The full measure, not just the deposit of the Spirit, but the full measure of Christ. Go read John 15. It's abide in me, abide in you. It's God's way. Simple, isn't it? Hey, you just abide in me, you abide in you, much fruit's produced, we're all good, prove to be my disciples, done, move on. No, let's have a look at this. Hold on a minute, what does this look like? And this man is laying his life down because he's been given a grace gift to declare a living reality, which was hidden to those before that the prophets of old wanted to know. And he's been bestowed on that Christ in you, the hope of glory now for the Gentiles to live from this reality. And he would say, I'm laboring, I'm striving, not in my own strength, according to the power from on high via the Spirit that's working in me. That's the position that you and I have to live our lives from. Not on our human strength, not on our human ability, but through coming in through weakness, through surrender, through the power of the Holy Spirit does a work. Now you have a substance in you which you never had before, and you live from that. So now you're the busiest person on the planet, but you're living from rest. Why? Because what you're operating from is not you. You've tapped into a supernatural fuel line, which is heaven, and it's just continually feeding you. Why? Because when you gather, what do you do? You come to praise. You bring glory to his name. You stand in his presence, not just here in your room, wherever you are, in your life group, discipleship groups, when you're one-on-one, in your car, driving to the wherever you're going. Slap on some music, sing some songs. I don't know, whatever you do, just start singing. Ask him to fill the car and just glorify him. He'll come, man. He loves it. He will come and fill that car wherever you are and fulfill you if you ask. Continue. It's not just a one-off. This is a lifestyle. Engage with him and one another when we gather. Don't just leave here now. Oh, I'll see you later. Good. Next week. Hang out. Invite people home. Maybe God wants to use you to pray for a healing or do something, and it comes through an invitation for lunch. No one knows it until you get there. Oh, by the way, I've got this. Oh, can we pray? You see how the church gets built? I build my church through the power of my Holy Spirit. And that church pushes back. Anything that's thrown at her. Why? Because we are a spiritual house that's being built by the cornerstone here on the rock in Naranga Gorge on just the day that we turn up. Everything we are and becoming and everything we do is to bring glory to his name. Why do we gather? To declare him through praise and thanksgiving, how great he is, engagement, to receive living food, impartation, to minister and be ministered to, so to minister to him, minister to the people, empowerment, to be transformed, built up and equipped, living knowledge and living from. Father, I thank you that you are true. 
and you promise things and they come to pass in your time. I thank you for this work you're doing in us. I thank you that you are building us. And Lord, I pray that we would believe for more. I pray, Lord, that this week we would taste food we've never tasted. I pray, Lord, that we would be stirred to start dieting more on you and receiving through the power of revelation more of you. May we eat your flesh and drink your blood because it is real food and real drink. Father, help us to not complicate it, but help us to not get lost in the depth. And so, Lord, help us to keep it simple and believe, hear, receive, and accept you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.